0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and Today's business edition of sports. Of the Spot Track Podcast is an NFL one. It's June 1st, which means some teams are getting cap space. We're going to talk about what those six teams are and the eight players that have qualified have been designated as post June 1st releases and what that means from a cap and cash perspective and why it happened right? Every team has a different reason for doing what they're doing. And uh, in one case, the Arizona Cardinals, I think they may have changed their mind (laughs) about halfway through this whole process. So uh, it's a deep dive into those eight post-June 1st designations and a little deeper dive into Arizona as uh, I think the March version of Arizona and the May version of Arizona are two very different animals. And that leads us into a DeAndre Hopkins conversation. Of course, where does he end up? What does the contract look like? Uh, what happens with 31 year old wide receivers in june right when the two, when the two may, maybe biggest afc contenders are vying for his services why didn't he get traded why did he have to get released i'm uh, i do my best to answer all of those questions in the next couple of minutes here all nfl show real quick it's a great time for most nba fans to be in offseason mode and thinking about next year our NBA roster management tool. If you go to your favorite team on SpotTrack in terms of the NBA, and you click manage this roster, we have a beefed up brand new beta version of the roster management tool. It, uh, it does pretty much everything at this point. You can sign the free agents. You can use exceptions. You can use trade exceptions. You can tr- there's a trade machine. You can trade draft picks. You can get out of cap holds. You can do whatever you, you, you can do whatever you need to accurately get yourself into either a tax-healthy mode, a cap-healthy mode, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, click on your favorite team, click manage this roster. Let us know how you like it. Let us know what you think needs to be added, changed, revised. We're always in a beta mode with these things. But this brand's making new roster tools pretty darn good, pretty darn thorough. And it's uh, the perfect time of year to be utilizing that as well nhl 2023 rosters are now updated and live uh some significant cap space at the top here for the blackhawks and the ducks chicago is about to get the uh the big draft pick that a big number one pick in the door so their rebuild starts immediately and their path towards back towards relevancy starts immediately uh, the highest cap space team in the league with the number one overall pick We've got some teams in trouble, Vancouver, Tampa Bay, Calgary, Vegas, and Boston round out your bottom five cap space as the NHL offseason nears as well. So plenty of uh, plenty of notable financial news in sports right now. And uh, like I said, it's an NFL show today, but we'll be back with the NBA very, very soon. Uh, Keith Smith now, basically a full-time employee with us, uh, give or take a few other of uh, small opportunities that he's going to continue with, which he's valuable at everywhere right he's one of the most valuable nba voices in the world here and we are very lucky to have him he's also he's also been following the boston celtics for a bunch of years now very very closely so at some point in time here over the next couple of days i'm going to sit down with keith and i'm going to let him sort of vent out what the heck just happened really the past 2 years with the collapse against golden state last year and the collapse well i shouldn't say collapse the immediate collapse and then the climb back and then the absolute stinker of a collapse against Miami here this year to, to finish off their season and put them into at least a few major question marks coming up here in June, July for the Boston Celtics. So that's on the docket in the next couple of days here. Uh, but it's an NFL show. Let's talk post-June 1st designations, the Arizona Cardinals, and more specifically DeAndre Hopkins and his next stop on an NFL roster it's officially June 1st, which means six NFL teams will pick up significant cap space in a few cases, good cap space in a few cases. Eight players were designated as post-June 1st releases this year. Uh, Most in March, we had one kind of early May, late one sneak in with the Washington Commanders, uh, but that was expected from Chase Rullier. Eight players who are either on the open market right now or have been re-signed elsewhere. I believe only Brandon McManus has been re-signed by the Jaguars kind of immediately after the surprise release from the Broncos, who are clearly looking for less special teams money this year (laughs) to allocate or to cover up for a uh, quarterback contract that right now looks like it's sunk cost and uh, a coaching contract that maybe is uh, acting as a band-aid for that whole process. So um, the eight players off the top here are McManus, the kicker for the, for the Broncos, former kicker. Jadavian Clowney and John Johnson, a couple of Cleveland Brown defensemen. J.J. Watt and Rodney Hudson have retired, and the Cardinals designated those as post-June 1st reserve retired releases. We'll talk about that in a second. I mentioned Rullier for the commanders, the center who uh, has had back-to-back injury seasons. We'll get to him in a second. I think he's not long for a roster here soon. Ezekiel Elliott, one of the bigger ones to talk about here with the Cowboys. And Byron Jones, the cornerback for the Dolphins, who may have to retire due to injury, though, I believe is going to try to recover this thing and get him back on a roster as, as quickly as possible. But I think that might not be likely. Let's detail these just a little bit. I mentioned the six teams at the top. This is how the 2023 cap savings work in order. Right now, the Dolphins will pick up 13.6 million of a uh, fresh top 51 space this, this, uh, at the end of business today. Um, it is June 1st, so at 4 p.m. Eastern today. All of these will officially process. And as of tomorrow's opening business, the cap savings will be complete. 13.6 million to the Dolphins, 10.9 million total to the Browns, 10.9 million total to the Cowboys, 8.3 million to the Commanders, 4.2 million for the Cardinals, and 3.75 million for the Broncos with the Commanders. Four of these teams will also pick up 2024 cap savings. The Dolphins will get an additional 8.7 million next year, Dallas 9.1, Washington 10.1. That's a big one for them who could be in a quarterback year next March. Denver, 3.9. So it's not just a one-year plan. A lot of this was getting rid of now and later. A lot of this was taking on less now and a little bit more later. Obviously, that's how the post-June 1st situation works. For those who aren't aware, I have posted an article detailing all eight of these players, but there's also a link in there to a much more thorough understanding of NFL dead cap and this post-June 1st designation. I'm gonna summarize it quickly here. For those that need a refresher. Uh, in the case of DeAndre Hopkins, who I'll get to in a second here. The Arizona Cardinals decided to process his release Tuesday, which was before June 1st and in doing so, it means that they are forced to take on all 22.6 million of his dead cap this season. Had they waited until tomorrow, June 2nd, they would have been able to split that dead cap up significantly between this year and next year. The way it works, If you're looking at a contract and you want to release a player and you want to do it either after June 1st or with a post June 1st designation, whatever dead cap you see in the current year, so 2023 right now, would become 2023 dead cap. Whatever dead cap you see later, 2024 and beyond, would become 2024 dead cap. That's the split. So it's not 50 50 necessarily. Okay. It would be if there were two years left with equal dead cap, but it's, The now stays now, the later goes to next year. That's the easiest way to put it. And by the way, any future guaranteed salary. So let's say in Hopkins case, 2 million of next year's salary was fairly guaranteed. It wasn't, but I'm giving you a hypothetical. 2 million guaranteed salary next year. He's released this year. That 2 million would become 2023 dead cap because it's cash, because it's guaranteed salary. That accelerates into this year. So that's the only kind of caveat that works with this post-June 1st. Otherwise, it's this year stays this year's, future goes to next year. So that's why we're showing 2023 and 2024 in this breakdown of the eight players we're referencing here. Let's talk a little bit about these players. Uh, I want to start with Ezekiel Elliott, who I believe will find a roster shortly. Um, He may be waiting for the correct roster. He may be waiting for the Cowboys to come around and give him more than... 1.317 1.317 million which is his veteran minimum with a signing bonus. Um and I think that's fair. And this guy is a 10 touchdown player. They need him. <laughs> okay? Because Tony Pollard is recovering from a gruesome leg injury on a franchise tag. So they do need some sort of supplement right now. And Zeke Shoney can do it. And he has been fairly durable. And as I put in the blurb here on this piece on spottruth.com, this post-June 1st release was not about production. This was about getting out of a contract that probably should never have happened. I'm ha- I'm I'm happy that it happened because I think where you drafted this player, how you utilize this player, the value you got out of Dak Prescott for forever based on his draft spot. You, this was a team that was able to pay a running back at that point. Now they paid him early. They paid him after year three. That's probably never going to happen again with a running back ever, probably ever, right? You're going to get as much value as you can out of a rookie contract with this position. And then you're going to nickel and dime it from there with franchise tags. Um, But I'm happy this contract happened, but it was time. It was definitely time after four years to get out of this thing and start over. I believe that's what's going to happen here to some degree. I think there'll be a, a reunion between these two parties before 2023, before training camp, and Zeke will slot right back into the role he had last year, which, again, was was wildly productive, especially for an age 28 player. So this was about contract. This wasn't about production. I can't say that with really really any other of these situations, really. Um, I guess the McManus one falls in that category slightly, where this was still a solid, experienced kicker that carried a $4 million cap charge, right? I mean, he was up there which is the going rate on a per year basis for a top veteran kicker. That's where we are right now. We're sliding towards five and six with the Justin Tuckers of the world. So it, this was a team decision to say, we're going back down to the bottom financially speaking. And we might have to live with the fact that we may have to rent and not own in, in this regard with kickers, something a lot of teams are doing. It's kind of revolving door process. So I guess I'd throw McManus in the contract tier of this post June 1st release. But other than that, I mentioned JJ Watt and Rodney Hudson were retirements. Uh, If that's confusing to you, it's all about timing. Okay, so so yes, JJ Watt has been sitting home with his wife for a while now, kind of doing these talk shows, making the rounds, uh, doing plenty of appearances and events. He's retired. He's officially going away. But the Cardinals hold his rights and still hold his contractual obligations. And what they did before he before the end of the season and and prior to it is they established a minimum salary for 2023 on this contract that contained void years. All right. So it was a two-year deal. And the Cardinals used three void years to make it a full five-year proration on that signing bonus, which kept his cap hits pretty tenable, right? 4.9 million in the first year, jumped up to 15.9 last year. And then there was 7.2 million of dead cap to deal with now, invoidable years from 2023 to 2025. Now, had they just processed his retirement in March, that 7-2 hits the books immediately, just like DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins' 22-6 has hit the books immediately. By letting this thing ride to June 2nd and then processing his retirement and and subsequent release of rights, they can now split that up as the 2-4 this year and 4-8 next year and it's a little bit less on their on their uh, total cap. Now, were they doing that in March for a different reasons than they now believe they should have done it? Let me say that better. The, 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 the new regime in Arizona, which really wasn't there yet at that point in time, okay, this was all kind of in transition. Kyler Murray is hurt. The head coach gets fired. The GM walks away slash gets fired. They flip everything over in the winter to early spring, they designated Watt and Hudson as post June 1st retirement releases. And it's really not moving the needle much, right? What did it free up? Nothing at the po- at that point in time because they had to, to run everything through to June 1st, right? That's the other part of this is you designate a player, a post June 1st release, his full cap, it has to stay on the books until today. And then the transition can happen. So that's the, uh, the negative to the positive here that we're talking about. So they took a minimal hit to carry Watt and Hudson through to today. Now get minimal savings. I would consider 4.2 million of savings for two players minimal, okay? Based on what we've seen with some post-June 1st designations. That was the mindset in March 16th. The mindset in June 1st, or May th- May 25th, let's say, was we're taking all of Hopkins cap right now. Now, they couldn't have designated Hopkins a post-June for re- release because you're only allowed to do two per team per year. So Watt and Hudson were the two. So you couldn't have released Hopkins early, designated him a post-June first release, and split the dead cap up. They could have waited till tomorrow to release him. They didn't. They made a decision to take on his 22-6 right now. So something has changed in the mindset of the Arizona Cardinals from March to May. And I think we all know what that is. And what it is, is 2023 is going to be a a gap year, a transition year, a tank year, whatever you want to call it. Kyler Murray is not going to be healthy for the majority of the season. Now, he may come out and try to force his way back on the field earlier. than they're not going to let him. All right, because they've got 150 million sunk on this thing over the next four seasons. Minimum, minimum. So this is going to be a gap year for this team. Uh, this is a two to three win team, in my opinion, based on how it's looking right now, based on how they're operating, based on how they're not you know, motivated to add, to build depth out, to do anything right now. They are shedding cash and uh, subsequently shedding cap as well. They have draft assets for next year this is going to be a big windup to what could be a huge pitch next March, Uh, whether that's for a new quarterback and Kyler's going to be on the trade block or whether that's for, we have this quarterback, he has his flaws, but he's an above average quarterback when he's healthy. We need to throw as many reinforcements around him as possible. And that's going to be with draft capital, with tons of cap space and with cash in our hand that we were able to ascertain from this little mini purge in 2023. If that's, if it's the latter, I'm all in on that process. We sort of saw the Golden State Warriors do this when Steph Curry got hurt and they became a bad team in the middle of this dynasty. It, it didn't work out, right? The Kaminga stuff, the D'Angelo Russell stuff, yeah, all of that didn't really work out for Golden State. So it's easier said than done. But I believe that's what they're trying to do. Now, in no way am I comparing the Arizona Cardinals to the Golden State Warriors, just get, just to get that out there. But that that mindset, that philosophy of what they seem to be doing right now, it does make a little bit of sense to me. If this new regime has come in and said, Kyler Murray is not our guy, and our job right now is to put a roster out there in 2023 that can get us in the Caleb Williams conversation, good freaking luck. Because the second you do this, and the second it is leaked, that you are now interested in moving on from Kyler Murray, and it's going to happen, we do not live in a world where things like that get buttoned up, we don't. So the second that happens, And it has not yet been processed, and you do not yet have a trade partner for Kyler Murray, good luck. Because that's going to be the Baker Mayfield, Cleveland Brown situation times 100, times 150, which is the guarantees left on his contract. And oh, by the way, it's base salary, which means you got to trade him to get rid of it, right? It's not like it's bonus, 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 where it's proration that you're going to have to take on to trade him. You need somebody else to take on that fully guaranteed salary that exists on his contract. So if that's the mindset, the mindset is Arizona is trying to move off of Kyler Murray. And by tanking this year and bringing in a rookie quarterback, they're going to just start over. Good luck. Okay. Because I do not believe Kyler Murray's value holds any weight right now in the trade market. Not with that contract, not with his injury history, not with the, the video stuff, the clauses that were built in or wink, wink built in. There's a lot of baggage hanging out there right now. And uh, his, his stinker in the postseason, there's just a lot attached to him. It's a little Carson Wentzish right now with Kyler Murray. And there's a lot of contract left. So they are, they are not being shy about what they're doing here, in my opinion, from a roster construction standpoint. But my hope is that they are smart enough to understand that moving off a quarterback with four years fully guaranteed left on his contract with baggage is almost impossible. So... My hope is that they are doing what they're doing to quickly replenish themselves in March around Kyler Murray and at least give themselves a two-year window to see if they can make it work because that's the only way out here. Trading Kyler Murray next, next March to me is not an option. Not yet. Not yet. Now, does he come back in week eight and light it up and then puts himself in a position where it becomes more of a tradable asset? Maybe. And maybe that's plan C. Maybe that's 1A, I should say, right? Maybe 1A is we're going to have this gap year. We're going to reduce our cash. We're going to reduce our cap. We're going to roll as much of that into next March as possible. And oh, by the way, if Murray can get back on the field and win a couple of ball games, and maybe we're not in Caleb, Caleb Williams you know, draft market, but we've got two firsts and we've got a lot of ammo, Maybe we can chop him and start this process over and use him plus our picks as enough ammo to go up and get our next quarterback and not have to have 150 million sunk in his contract, but rather 40 million sunk into a quarterback, a first-round quarterback, plus a hell of a lot more assets around him to restart this process. It's it's a really funny situation because everything's brand new, but Kyler Murray, really on this roster, you know, and in the front office and on the sideline. And it, we generally don't see that. That's generally not how this works. We'll see a coaching change uh, with an established veteran quarterback contract. But this is sort of an anomaly. This is sort of a unicorn situation. So I, I, I see the three or four paths that can happen here. But to me, this is about taking your gap year, understanding what you're going to be in 2023, even if you try your hardest. I don't think this team is playoff bound. So they're going to dial it right back replenish, and I hope try to restock this thing from a depth perspective to give Murray two solid years. And then we'll see what happens after that. Okay, a couple more names here. Uh, we got through Zeke, we got to the Cardinals. The Browns are in a very similar situation. Uh, John Johnson was an outright release in terms of post-June 1st. Jadavian Clowney had void years. They built him that, that minimum salary similar to J.J. Watt to carry him through June, June 1st. And uh, split up the dead cap as one six this year, four eight next year. Um, This was one of those things teams that have fully guaranteed $46 million per year contracts have to do. Okay. (laughs) Because Deshaun Watson is going to carry 50 to 60 million a cap now going forward. And they're going to continue to roll that out and push it down the line. Um, And oh, by the way, if they're in the Hopkins conversation, any kind of savings you can get right now is going to be helpful for that. So that's part of this. Now they weren't thinking about that in March, but they were thinking about we're going to need as much cap space in 2023 as possible because of this quarterback contract, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the commanders free up 8.3 million. They're kind of a stuck team right now. There's a lot of what ifs. There's a lot of, we, we need to see it. There's a hell of a lot of money on that defense. Uh, so we've seen quite a few offensive players get pushed aside in lieu of that. But we've seen a lot of teams with great defenses win a lot of ball games. So if they get any kind of quarterback play out of Sam Hall or whoever it's going to be, there's a world where this is a middle of the road team. Do you want to be a middle of the road team? I don't know. I mean, Ron Rivera's coaching for his job right now. There's a lot of new happening with the ownership and things like that. So I feel like this is just a transitioning, a plateauing into next steps and a whole brand new process in Washington. Uh, so you get yourself 8 million cap this year, 10 million next year. Maybe that $8 million just rolls over. Maybe they sign a couple of draft picks and roll the rest over to next year. It's very much possible that this is about uh, a future plan than anything instantaneous right now. And I mentioned Byron Jones and the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins probably aren't done building, if I had to guess. That seems like a roster that just wants to continue to add, 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 and then they will subtract as needed. The, the name Delvin Cook has been attached to Miami for quite a while now. I do believe... Now that June 1st is here, he's a name that's going to become extremely loud on the socials and possibly outright release within the next couple of days, possibly even tonight. And if that's the case, I know the dolphins have plenty of running backs, but they don't have a running back quite like that. So I'm going to put them in that camp. I'd put Tampa Bay. I put the Rams. I put the chargers very much in the Delvin cook conversation. Um, And look, Miami's about to open up 13, $13.6 million of of 2023 salary cap right now and moving on from Byron Jones. Byron Jones signed the largest free aging contract in 2020. Five years, $82.5 million, two-thirds of that fully guaranteed. He saw all $54 million of it over the last three seasons, and uh, he won't see another dollar because of the release here. There was no future guaranteed cash. This was all dead cap sitting on the roster. It's a little bit of pain next year with this one it's 10 million a 2024 dead cap but it does free up another almost nine million so this is going to be a multi-year savings for them cash and cap and uh, like i said this is the te- kind of team that is fringe contender that could be looking to add a playmaker right now with this significant savings to go along with also signing the rest of their draft class so uh that's a team to watch miami i i would think dallas is going to use the uh, the Zeke cap savings possibly to re-sign Zeke. <laughs> okay, I would say the Byron Jones cap savings in Miami is going to get utilized for some sort of ad, whether it's a an edge defender. There's still a few out there: Frank Clark, Justin Houston, to name a few. Whether it's a playmaker like Delvin Cook, who I believe will hit the open market here in a couple of days, or uh, somebody we're not even thinking of. You know, trades still happen this time of year. We've seen August trades, impactful August trades that have, uh, that have worked out and certainly teams are gearing up for in season financials as well. Okay. Trade deadline moves, street free agents, injuries that have to be accounted for. It's not just about padding your padding, your numbers for right now. It's about padding your numbers for the long haul here to get yourself through December and into January with healthy financials. And like I said, anything left over gets rolled over. So there are certain teams, I believe the Arizona's of the world, uh, maybe even the Washington's of the world that are thinking about we're just cutting cash right now and we'll take the cap savings for next season and it into what could be a very different conversation next March. All right. That's your post June 1st recap. Uh, again, 4 p.m. Eastern today, all six of these teams will see these cap savings hit. And uh, with the exception of McManus, who has been resigned seven players still looking for work. Well, JJ Watt, Rodney Hudson, not so much. They are comfortable in their rocking chairs right now the other five looking for work elsewhere if they can recover from health and or find a new contract in the next couple of weeks. I mentioned DeAndre Hopkins and his release and, his, uh, and where this goes from here. It's gonna be a hot topic until it's done. He's still a great player, he is. He's not a 17 week great player. And the age and time of year and all sorts of things are attached to him right now are, are a negative for where he thinks he's going contractually speaking. Now look, there's two ways to look at this. There's the contender way and there's the non-contender way or the fringe contender way to look at this. If you wanna sit here and tell me that the Detroit Lions are gonna throw four years, 80 million at him, I believe it, okay? They have 23 million in cap space right now according to our numbers. They can front load this thing. They can give him a hefty signing bonus. They can make this look really enticing to DeAndre Hopkins and the the clutch sports group that he just hired to, to maintain him for the next couple of weeks here. Um, that's going to be out there. Somebody's going to overpay to get that player in to try to be an immediate difference maker, like we've seen Diggs do, like we've seen other players do, uh, Brandon Cooks a couple of times now with some contending teams. That kind of stuff has shown immediate impact. Now, 30 year old DeAndre Hopkins, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. okay, 31 years old here. It's June. He's over thirty. He's had injury history. Are you renting or are you buying here? You know, and I think in the terms of Kansas City and Buffalo, who have been in, in on him since day one, since probably from last November when the when the the tea leaves were there, when he was he was producing for the team, but then got injured. You knew where this was headed. You knew Arizona was going to try to move off of this contract uh, and a few others as well. So I think. The good, strong, contending teams have always been in on this, and there are probably a couple of trade offers thrown back and forth with the uh, the notion that Arizona retains some of that $19 million salary. I want to start there with this. DeAndre Hopkins wasn't, wasn't traded because the teams didn't believe he was worth $19 million a year. In order to process a trade, the new team has to take on the entire cap hit. Okay, all the base salary, any workout bonus, any cash that would be transferred to the new team, which in this case was going to be 19.45 million. Now, Buffalo has about 1.4, the Chiefs have about 1. All right, in cap space right now, which means just to take on that cap hit. Again, it's not not a guaranteed salary. You didn't have to pay him that money. You could restructure the contract and make it work for you. But initially speaking, to process the trade, Buffalo and Kansas City or any team would have to free up $19.45 million just to get him on your roster. Then you can process a restructure or an extension and make it work for you down the line. There's no chance Kansas City and Buffalo wanted to free up $18 million of cap space to process that trade. So this was about how much was Arizona willing to convert to signing bonus and keep for their own so that Buffalo and Kansas City could restructure one or two of their contracts, bring him in on eight to nine million of cap instead of 19.45, and everybody's happy. And oh, by the way, at what point, you know, what was the draft pick that has to transfer in order for Arizona to retain 10 million, right? Was it a third? Were they asking for a second? No chance Buffalo and Kansas City were doing that because this guy was a, is a complementary piece to already good offenses. He's not the one and done right? Which is what a second round pick in a trade would be signifying. So that's the complications. To me, it's not about Hopkins isn't worth the contract he just got, got off of. Do I think he's getting 19 million a year? I don't. Unless he chooses a team flush with cap, who needs him as a true number one wide receiver, a standout 80 catch wide receiver. I don't believe he can be that guy anymore though I still think he's talented and there's a prorated version of that still in him. So I'm going to take, treat this as whatever team's going to go after him is going to take a prorated version of 20 million a year, because I think he's still a 20 million a year wide receiver, even at age 31, but not now and not for the teams that he's eyeing up the Giants, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Browns. The Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract in Baltimore is a decent, decent comp. It's one for 15. Most of that is fully guaranteed. It can get up to 18 with incentives. I like the construct of that. There's similar injury history. There's similar production history. There's similar hop on a new team and make immediate impact history. Okay, all those things exist. So I believe Hopkins is still above that threshold but it doesn't mean that that $15 million per year has to be the number. We all know how this works, okay? This is about guaranteed money, this is about structure, this is about cap versus cash, all right? So don't get crazy if Hopkins signs a deal that is markedly less than 15 million per year, but is A, more flexible for the team, and B, offers more guarantees, or C, offers more from an incentive package, where Hopkins, if he's healthy, should have no trouble hitting and banking out much more cash than Beckham Jr. gets this year. And many of these players, Adam Thielen, who got a ton of money from Carolina, right, fourteen million fully guaranteed, basically eighteen million over two years for, and again, a complimentary player his, his whole life. So those are the two contracts here to kind of talk about with Hopkins. At the end of the day, and I, I've put this out there on a few channels, I think two for 12, or excuse me, two for 24, two for 30 is probably about right. And the two is the guaranteed portion of this. Okay. This could be a three or four year contract from a total value standpoint, maybe a three with some sort of option. I don't know why you would go into year 34, year 35 for him, but you'd utilize void years at least to spread things out, especially if you're Kansas City or Buffalo. But I think what what's gonna take what it's gonna take for these teams, or for it's if it's just Buffalo and Kansas City, is guaranteeing money in year two. The difference between what Hopkins should get and what Beckham Jr. did get is Beckham Jr. still got a showcase contract. It's a it's a hefty one. Okay, generally showcase contracts are seven eight million for one year. Okay, Beckham Jr. is getting fifteen plus on a one year deal on a good roster. DeAndre Hopkins should be saying, I don't really care about the per year. What I want is two years. Okay. I want a chance to make this a two-year window of contention on a great team with Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson, my old friend. And I want to make sure that I'm, I have stability there. Okay. So whether it's roster bonus in year two, that's fully guaranteed, or at a big one, a hefty one, a $10 million bonus next, you know, next March whatever it's going to take to lock him in to that roster and or if you're going to move on from me and or trade me i've got a good chunk of change that's coming to me no matter what that's what i'm worried about if i'm hopkins now maybe that's unrealistic in june for a player with injury history and his age but that's the power, the position of power i'm taking and oh by the way i think that's still something these teams would sign up for because you do create cap flexibility this year it's basically a one year team friendly deal plus a second year expedited contract or year that's going to carry a higher cap hit. But with void years, we can restructure that thing and make it work. But I want cash in hand for 2024 if I'm DeAndre Hopkins. So let's say it's two for 30. I'll go on the higher side. I'll make it that 15 million per year. Let's say 20 million of that is fully guaranteed at signing. And there's another five and change that can lock in next March. But the incentive package gets this thing even higher right? Gets this thing to 20 million a year. There's 5 million of annual incentives that involve playoffs, involve uh, receptions, receiving touchdowns, receiving yards, playing time uh, in those playoff games, Pro Bowls, the works, just the works. Similar to what Beckham Jr. got, similar to what Juju Smith-Schuster has gotten from the Chiefs in the past. Uh, Both of these teams have shown that they are willing to throw out massive incentive packages, A, to reduce current cap, and B, to make sure to ensure that star players are rewarded properly, both of these teams have done this. Buffalo and Kansas City. Now, maybe I'm high. Maybe getting getting a player to twenty million a year right now is too much for Hopkins, and that's probably fair. So the number I've been throwing out there, I've been on a Kansas City show, I've been on a Buffalo show in the past twenty four hours. Here, the number I've been throwing out there is two for twenty four. Seventy five percent of that fully guaranteed right now. Okay, so we're in the eighteen mark, a little bit more than Beckham Jr. got with. 3 million annual incentives, 3 million a- annual incentives. So 6 million total, which gets you to the two for 30. And we're done after that. Does it have to look like three, for 45, maybe, maybe three for 36, three for 36 to start with three, three years of annual incentives and uh, some sort of kicker escalator built into that thing for year three. Sure. You know, you can get fancy with structure as you need, but I'm not leaving the 12 to $15 million per year mark at all with Hopkins on, from a base value standpoint at all. And by the way, if I'm high, I get it. If it ends up being two for 20, I get it. These are the two lowest cap space teams in the league that we're talking about here. These are two of the best teams in the league, which means they have all the power from the negotiating table right now. Both of these teams could live without DeAndre Hopkins. And that's how both of the GMs should be operating. And I believe they are. I've heard Brandon Bean from Buffalo say things quite a bit that this is a good roster and he doesn't want to mortgage too much of 2024 and 2025 to start squeezing things into 2023. He said that out loud multiple times. And I believe Kansas City operates that way all the time. And there's plenty of proof for that. So both these teams have the power, have the leverage. DeAndre Hopkins has very little right now. But there will be a team out there that tries to gum that leverage, right? Whether it's Detroit, whether it's Cleveland, who we've shown seen overpay a couple of times now, somebody's going to come in with a big, big deal. And it's going to be about, do we want the big deal or do we want the best fit to, and the best opportunity for me to come in, supplement against the Stefan Diggs or an MVS and uh, sacrifice maybe 20 to 25 catches for two to three extra regular season wins and maybe an extra round in the playoffs. Uh, so the Hopkins stuff is interesting. We don't see players like this hit the market in June too often. And I believe it's going to be compounded with Delvin cook in the next couple of hours here. And, uh, that's a pretty nice one 2 punch here for the start of, uh, the summer months of June for the NFL. We'll see where it ends up. All right. We'll continue with the NFL content as it becomes available. Obviously, the NBA is closing in on the off season. Keep up with Key Smith's pieces on SpotTrack.com. Use the roster management tool to build, subtract, add from your favorite NBA team. It's it says uh, it's in beta mode. Brand new NBA roster management tool. There's a trade machine in there. There's uh, buyout machines. There's also you can do everything. You can use exceptions. You can trade draft picks you can do the works now so uh utilize that and let us know what's good what's bad what's needed as we continue to build out tools on spotdraft.com for scott allen my name is mike Giannetti. thanks for listening to this edition of this project podcast